the Professionally Speaking Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. This week on the podcast, we are fortunate enough to have special guest Mark Bowden. He's the number one body language expert in the world. He's been in TED Talks, he's written books, but most importantly, he specializes in changing inaction into action and eliciting desired responses from your audience and from individuals who you're conversing with and who you're communicating with. So without any further ado, we give you the interview with body language expert, Mark Bowden. Welcome to another episode of the Professionally Speaking Podcast. I'm Ryan Warner, Director and Executive Coach at Professional Presentation Services, and with me today is special guest Mark Bowden. He's the number one ranked body language expert in the world. His TEDx talk on the importance of being inauthentic has reached millions worldwide, and he's a published author of renowned works such as Truth and Lies, Winning Body Language, and Tame the Primitive Brain. Currently, he's the president of Truth Plane, which is a presentation training and communication consulting business. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. Ryan, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Certainly, it's always good to talk to somebody else who's in the same area and, and devoted to communication as you are. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know that was a little bit of a long buildup, but I wanted to give you your due. You, you, you've worked really hard. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a resume statement, that one, but... Uh, but you look really, you know, what I say that I do is just help people all over the world to stand out, to win trust, to gain credibility every time they communicate. And I, I do that via videos and podcasts like yours and keynote speeches, which used to be live and now they're very much over, uh, over video. Um, but I'm just here to help. So how can I help? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you how you can help in a moment. But I do want to say that uh, with regards to LinkedIn, I obviously see a lot of, I'm sure many people see a lot of stuff on their feeds and most of it, you know, is not content that they would engage with. They're hesitant to get into it because they don't know how much time they're going to invest in and what kind of reward they're going to get out of it. But your content is always insightful. I was struck personally by the, the, the camera, the, the webcam demo that you made and with other equipment from uh, presenting from home. And I think it's, it's extremely valuable. So thank you and please continue to do it. Yeah, well, thanks for that, because uh, it's, it's good to get that feedback um, because you put that out there and and lots of people do give me great feedback on LinkedIn around that. And all I'm trying to do again is just be helpful. So it's really good when you kind of get the live verbatim, like keep on doing this. Uh, and so so I'm happy to. I will. Uh, I think I'm going to record another video tomorrow and, and put that out. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you for that. I've noticed you spoke recently at the Present to Succeed conference, and I know you've spoken a ton on the importance of nonverbal communication. And today I would like to really ask you a couple of questions more about your background and your path to be to becoming an expert in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so look, I got here by first of all, as a kid being really obsessed with animal movement. Uh, I come from the UK originally, I'm English. And when I was growing up in the in the 70s uh, and 80s, just um, natural history television was a big part, a dominant part of 
entertainment essentially and and maybe still is i don't watch enough uk tv at the moment to to know that but you know obviously david attenborough was was massive you know <laughs> and and i was obsessed with that world the world of jacques cousteau as well the undersea world anyway i took this kind of obsession fascination with animal movement into fine arts and thinking about how do artists change people's minds with pictures and especially moving pictures like what exactly needs to happen with a moving picture to convince another human being that that something is real and it has emotions when maybe it's an animation and it's been made up from just digital pixels so i've always been obsessed with that illusionary world which to our brain can be incredibly real and the way that we can change each other's thoughts and ideas and feelings especially with the movement that we put out there so you know i worked in the uh, i studied in the fine arts world worked in that world as well in film and television and then a little later on was asked by people in politics and business to help them to get their message across and help them to convince others by again what movement are they going to use and how can we change the movement and context around something so that the meaning changes and the feeling changes but we don't necessarily change the words the facts remain the facts but the feeling that they come with and the context and therefore the action that somebody will do when they hear that can change radically from inaction to action is is often usually the case so though that that's i hope that helps explain my kind of lead up to where i am now yeah for sure was there one i'm just curious was there one moment or that you can remember where you saw something act and then something else react be it an animal or a person that you have a memory and it sparked you're like i want to figure this out what happened here yeah i know the exact moment a couple of moments um so so first first moment well I, I can't remember which came first to be honest so i'm not going to pretend which one which <laughs> moment comes first because i just can't it's recall okay. <laughs> two moments uh so so a huge moment was when pixar bought out lux jr Lux Jr. is the short film they made. I think it won uh, an Oscar at the time. And it's the, um, it's the Angle Poise Lamp and, and the little Angle Poise Lamp kid and they play ball together. Mm -hmm. And of course that literally is digital pixels and it's not even a human being or the, or, the, or, the, or the, it doesn't have the body of a human being, it's Angle Poise Lamps. And I watched that film and had empathy for both angle poise lamps and could feel the love and the play going on and i and i um came out of watching that short film and just went wow they've done it they've done it they've turned something which is ultimately completely inanimate and they've made me uh not only think that it is human but also have empathy for it i just thought that was brilliant and of course that work has obviously continued mm -hmm. into um probably the you know undoubtedly the most important animation company if not even the most important company in film for a long for a long long time okay so there was that moment of just going it can be done you know mm -hmm. you can you can trick the brain so well in a beautiful way and it can be done there's another uh, event that happened to me where i'm walking down the street uh in london and suddenly I, I jump from the pavement into the road because there's something 
uh, down at my heels, which is going to bite my leg. And so I look down to see to see what it is, and it's a paper bag, brown paper bag, blowing in the wind. Okay. Okay. Now, so then I suddenly go, wow. So what is it about the rhythm and movement and the positioning of that paper bag blowing in the wind that causes my instinct to be triggered with predator below and, and, and starts to initiate this uncontrollable reaction from me mm-hmm. and i started to think about that now of course you know a lot of you get a lot of recognition from that because suddenly you go well okay i need to take into account my context like how am i would that happen to me every day like that how am i feeling at the moment you know how how much am i looking out for the predators mm-hmm. anyway so what's my anxiety level right now and so then you know i started to explore the context of what was happening to be right right now but regardless of all of that it still has to move in the right way you can be in the right frame of mind okay mm-hmm. so first of all there's how do i get my audience into the right frame mm-hmm. but then i've still got to deliver to them the exact information to trigger this uncontrollable set of actions that, ca- that in, in behavior we would say cascade out you start a cascading effect mm-hmm. which means they just can't it can't stop and and with a cascading effect it could now move to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and now now we've got a riot on our hands <laughs> you know or a peace march i don't know you know but but anyway that's that's the couple of stories i hope they they make sense yeah, absolutely. The last story, the the story you just told about the paper bag, did that spark uh, a curiosity in you and you felt you needed to to see it through and to find the answers to these questions? Yeah, so I started getting, yeah, I, I started exploring that, but I also started exploring the approach and avoid response because that was the avoid response. And that's a instinctual response, which is, you know, 500 million years old in our evolutionary history. And, and if that, if the avoid response isn't working in you, you're already dead or, or you have, you have a system around you that looks after you and, and, and is keeping your DNA going when possibly it wouldn't be a good idea handing that DNA on because it's dangerous DNA you've got there because you have no avoid response. You're just going to walk into everything right. thinking it's a friend, you know, and that's so as long as you've always got somebody to drag you back out quick enough you're going to survive. But you know, do we really want that passing? So, you know, anything without that approach and avoid response essentially gets taken out of the system. And and here we are left with this approach and avoid response and the idea of of risk and reward. And I started exploring what do we need to see in the environment to signal risk, which is what happened to me, there was a risk signal. Mm -hmm. And what do we need to happen in the environment to trigger a reward symbol, and the approach response rather than the avoid response. So I started exploring just the, the the models of patterns of behavior already out there. I I created my own models around this, which was really some of the unique stuff that made me stand out in the nonverbal world because I was creating models that didn't already exist. Right. I was I was going, look, I've really looked at this and here's my model for making the complex simple enough that you can get started you know human behavior is a very complex thing and so what you need is really simple models to start you know getting into it the models will be inaccurate but they'll be helpful for getting you far enough in quick enough that you can start manipulating and making decisions and and mold the world in the right way 
uh, around you. So yeah, I started looking at looking at that and 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 you know the idea of you know uh, monsters and and angels and you know what is it about those things on the ground and those things up in the air that that are that attract us and 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 are, and are full of metaphors already around us for for things that are high and things that are low that we've written these ideas already in our language of metaphors they're already in our brain of mm -hmm. where the danger is going to come from and where the reward is going to come from it's it's pre-written into us yeah it's so fascinating to me to think that our programming if you will is is set in such that many people think this is just the way i am and this is how i i respond how i work how i think but if you're able to slow it down or recognize that this is kind of an automated system, but you do have a choice and you can change the way you behave, then you're able to influence your environment around you, including those like in your audience and people you're speaking with, right? Yeah, if you know the if you know what patterns are most likely to trigger set behaviors from people, you can start to present those patterns. And you can then lay quite a bit of money that the people will play out the result of that. They'll react in the way because they're, we are individuals and we're members of groups at the same time and we're all in the same species at the same time. And we are descendant from uh, other species. And so there, is a, so there is more the same about us than there is ever going to be any difference ultimately. So yes, you can have individual reactions to some stuff and but but you know as, as people try to influence that we we know that and we can manage that um as well we can manage the outliers or just discount the outliers and go well that you know <laughs> you know that i didn't get you doesn't discount that i got the other 100 so mm -hmm. you don't you know unless you are the decision maker and then i've really messed up you know <laughs> so so you know we can start to focus on on audience that we want to uh, especially affect but yeah i think it's it's that understanding of similarity rather than difference looking into the patterns of similarity and and trusting those patterns trusting ourselves mm -hmm. as human beings you know uh, i think is the important thing yeah that's that's great it, it's almost in a sense like overriding your own system, giving it different responses to display to the world or to others. Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a performance aspect of it as a, as a, um, as a communicator, uh, one of the things you might be thinking about doing is, is creating specific behaviors, specific patterns in order to get a specific result mm -hmm. rather than, you know, one theory out there, which might be just, Hey, be yourself, do whatever you were going to do. And, and, you know, everything will fall into place. Well, it will, if it does, and it, and it won't, if it doesn't, like that's, <laughs> that's risky, but go for it, you know, do it, you know, as long as you've got another, another crack at it, if it doesn't go right, <laughs> then, then be my guest. Uh, my clients tend to have that there's, you know, there's a sense of an event. It's like, this is the moment when, when we have all the, you know, the most people in the same place, in the same condition, this is our moment to deliver and trigger some results. So we're not going to get another good crack at this one. 
Mm. Okay, we can build some other communication around it leading up to that moment, you know, long tailing out of that moment. But there is there is more of a decisive moment or moments, you know, it's 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 not that you have all the time in the world and all the budget. Yeah, <laughs> you got you got there is a scarcity there. And at that point, you might want to go, well, but what what do you think I should do? I mean, there's me being me. Yeah, and that and that's all lovely. I totally get that, that, um, you know, philosophy It's not even a philosophy, it's more of a doctrine, it's more of a doctrine, you know, just be yourself. Mm -hmm. That's just a doctrine. It's not a it's, it's not a, you know, it works until it doesn't. So, mm -hmm. so it, it has a huge amount of fallibility to it. What I'm looking at is, well, what would you best what would you best do? So it still can be about you. You know, because people like it to be about them. Yeah, but I'm the one saying it. So it's got to be, you know, it's got to feel right to me. All right. Okay, fine. All right. So, <laughs> so let's just make it about you, shall we? Uh, you know, okay, I will, I will pretend it's about you, but I know what it's about. It's about them and what they need. And I can pretend that this is about you feeling good and comfortable and authentic and all of that stuff. But actually, you don't matter. What matters is the audience. It's always all about the audience. I'm just chuckling over here because that situation, it must be a common occurrence. In my world, working with uh, some early stage companies when they're doing their investment pitches, as you mentioned, sometimes they only get one crack at it. And mm -hmm. they want to do it, like they say, well, I want to do it this, and this is most important. But they're thinking of them. They're not thinking of how it will be received on the other end, right? So. Right. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Let's talk about that uh, uh, for a moment, because this might be helpful to people. Uh, I don't know about you, and I'd like, like your feedback on, on this, Ryan, but when I'm, when I'm thinking about somebody pitching for, for money, let's take an early stage company and, and they're pitching for money. Mm -hmm. What I'm thinking about is the job that that dollar has. So there is a person who has a dollar with a job. They're either the person who gives it its job or they have other people who give them the dollar mm -hmm. and they have said to them, hey, here's what I want that dollar to do. Mm -hmm. And either they're saying, hey, I want that dollar to come back, you know, having another dollar with it in X amount of time. And they might even go, I would be prepared to lose that dollar. So, so the job of that dollar is to sacrifice itself um for the sake of bringing and bringing itself and another dollar home mm -hmm. if possible and then there'll be a whole bunch of gradations around that some people they may say hey my dollar can never sacrifice itself and i want you to bring you know you know point point three of a dollar <laughs> back or you know something like that anyway based on that we get the idea of what what that dollar's job is and that's what we're speaking to. We're speaking to the job of the of the dollar. Have I I've got something that can help that dollar do its job? Okay, because <laughs> that's that's really what the the idea is. I would I would say now once you know that, you can say to somebody, Have you ever managed to get a dollar to do the job that you're looking for? Have you ever seen a dollar do that job? And hopefully they'll say, yeah, I have. I've managed to get a dollar to do that job before. And then you go, well, what did that look like? Like, what did that deal look like? When you got the dollar to do that job, what did it look like? And they'll go, blah, 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 blah. And you'll go, 
Well, this deal is just like that. Now, the moment you do that, because the brain is just a prediction machine. Mm -hmm. It's a prediction machine and it's asked, it's been asked to do something in an unpredictable world, which is get a dollar to do something. <laughs> and he doesn't know the outcome. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, hey, get that dollar to double itself and don't and don't and, and come back alive. <laughs> like the brain's going, how, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. How do I do that? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So it's now in this is like world. And the moment you can go, what I have here for your dollar is very like when you've seen a dollar achieve that before. The brain goes, thank you very much. That sounds good to me. So that's my my approach to it. But do you see how that's nothing to do with with the person talking? Mm -hmm. Now we can work on that down the line around trust and credibility right. and and right. people believing that this this machine being offered will cause the dollar to do its job. Mm -hmm. We can do that later but the first step is like who is our real audience here and the real audience here is the custodian of the dollar yeah that's and 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 speaking that job done anyway give me give me your thoughts on on that because i know you work in the same area and how how similar if if at all is 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 what i'm saying there well i for what you're saying i like the analogy of the the dollar and coming back with a friend we call it like almost like a, a, a go to market strategy, or we would call it like a game plan, or basically, like you said, how has this been done before? And if, right. you, if you can present a framework that has worked in the past, and you can apply it to a different uh, industry, a different product, a different service, then yeah, it, it has a far greater chance of success. Because as you said, the proof is in the pudding, we've seen this work, it worked in right. X, why wouldn't it work in Y? Right, right. So what's interesting about that, because we're both taking, you know, slightly different descriptions of it, but we're both going with the same kind of theory and experience that that the brain is trying to do prediction and it's doing is like. And as you just said there, where have I seen this before? Mm -hmm. And yet how many pitches when you first see them are like, this is totally new. Nobody's ever done this before. Like we've got this <laughs> unique and it's like brains hate that stuff. Like if you, if that's, we'll only listen to, and Hey, there's something very different about this. After mm. we've got this baseline of this is exactly the same as the success that you had in the past. Mm -hmm. Now you can do fear of missing out. You can go, this is exactly the same as a success in the past. And by the way, you weren't there when that one happened. Now's your chance. Now's your chance to get in early. So you can do fear of missing out or fear of loss, mm -hmm. like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be the person that goes back to your custodian of the dollar and says, Yeah, you know, I missed out on that one. Uh, but don't worry, because they they didn't give you the job of missing out, they they gave you the job of getting on the bandwagon of, of what is known to do this. But anyway, suffice to say, a lot of the time you see the presenter kind of jumping on the idea of of the new, which isn't isn't inaccurate. It's just too early mm -hmm. for that information, you know, and a lot of the time, and, and again, I, I'd love your views on this. A lot of the time I'm seeing all the right information, but completely in the wrong order for the brain to, mm -hmm. to be happy with the, with the prediction, mm -hmm. uh, essentially. It's just like, well, if you just took that and put that there and mix that one, just turn those around and, and then they start 
their story. It's like, well, now it makes, now it's so much more comfortable. And you literally see audiences breathe a sigh of relief because now the problem and the solution is coming in the right order. I would say probably 80% of the work that I do is structuring and organizing the content to unfold in a certain way so that the audience receives it in a constructive building approach to it culminates in uh, this is a product that we wanna be a part of, or this is a service right. that we wanna get on board. But you're right, right. so many times when I, they, they say, oh, we've been working on a pitch deck, can you take a look at it? I say, no problem. And they send it to me and it's like, the last slide is what they do with their core concept. You know, right. And, and just things will be, uh, you know, the, the, the team won't be mentioned or, you know, different numbers will be in, in different orders. And, and you're right. If I were to give anyone advice out there that's listening, the first thing to do is make sure it's in a structure that the audience, the potential investors will understand. They'll be familiar with, they'll resonate with, right? People who are processing information in a certain way for years, that's how they're used to doing it. So throwing them a yeah. curveball is not is not serving them, right? Even though you, you think it might be, as you mentioned, like dazzling them or we have a new innovative thing. Yeah, I mean, look, if you think, you know, whatever kind of financial um, uh, product or investment you're, you're pitching somebody, um, if you only think about it in this way, which is the person who who's listening to it has a problem for their dollar, okay? That's... That's that's the issue. There will be a dilemma there. So the dilemma usually for most dollar dollar bills is if I don't risk anything, not much comes back. But if I risk it, there's the possibility of getting more back, but it's higher risk. And the brain just goes, yeah, I don't know what my tolerance is. <laughs> and I don't know... You know, so, so for example, I want to, you know, I want to get involved or I want to buy for my clients investments that are ecologically sound, for example, low carbon. But if I do that, I risk them losing more of their money. So, and it's my job to make sure that that doesn't happen. I have a, you know, I have a fiduciary responsibility Mm -hmm. for keeping their dollar safe and at the same time they've told me to for example you know keep the planet safe <laughs> and at the moment i'm i can't work out how to do that now if i come along and go i understand your problem your client is telling you keep my dollar safe and at the same time they're telling you keep the planet safe and you're concerned that it it's not possible to do both well, I'm here to tell you today, it is. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Now, the moment I do that, your brain goes, oh, thank you very much, because this has been really weighing on my mind. Yeah. You want me to be right, because I've hit you with the, the core dilemma, mm -hmm. which has meant, look, because if there was no dilemma, you'd already have that dollar invested. My, so my first question to you as an investor is, what are you doing here? Why isn't that dollar already invested? What's up? Like any investor sitting in front of a client of mine, the first question is, I don't know why you're here. Why don't you have that dollar invested? 
Mm-hmm. Okay, and they will go. Well, it, it won't be because well, we just got it. It just arrived today, <laughs> so it's a new dollar. It's like, and we haven't put it into our. If if you're no good, we'll invest it in the next second. I'll just I know exactly where I'm going to put this. Mm-hmm. If they answer that question, they'll go. Well, here's the issue. You like the dollar has been told to do this, and there's a there's a problem because <laughs> if I tell it to do this, I, I, there's a risk over here and i i'm looking for something that would allow it to do its job but not at the risk that i think there is in there mm-hmm. and then you'd go well have you ever seen anything like that before and they'd go yeah there was this deal that we saw <laughs> and that did it it's like we will why wasn't your dollar in that well that was a long time ago or actually we missed we missed out on that one it's like oh dear that's that's terribly sad so so now now you got to go well I, this is i've got one for you don't worry mm-hmm. you know i understand the dilemma i have something that will do the job i've got a tool and now it is they are designed to listen to you yeah you've really you've really set the table for them to to be in to lean in your favor with what you propose next totally but if i just t- start telling you about the widget that i've invented it's like who cares it's like that's great but i i got a dollar with a job mm-hmm. so I, that's all very interesting you might interest me it's like this is super interesting and i might go back you know to my friends and family and go i saw a super interesting presentation the other day mm-hmm. but it, at no point that was interesting but it wasn't compelling mm-hmm. because you know I've, I've got a goal and i haven't reached that goal and that means there's a barrier in the way. If your thing can take away that barrier, I'm in. If I can't link it to that barrier and destroying that barrier, I got, I got problems I need to deal with today. Your idea is nice and really interesting, but it's not compelling because I have problems today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And many, many uh, startups, some of the, the people who have gone through and developed their products, they're highly intelligent people, like very, very astute and very talented, but some of them tend to focus so much on either the technology or the development of the product that what gets overlooked is kind of showcasing what it could do or the problems it could solve or how the audience would perceive it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause they've had to stand in their shoes for a long, long time and really, you know, stand in those shoes and deal with the problem that they were dealing with and they've dealt with it. They've now got a product, a service, an idea that eliminates the problem they were dealing with. That's all great. That's lovely. But now they're coming to ask for money from somebody who has a wholly different problem. <laughs> and that's, that's where the conversion needs to happen. And that's why sometimes they're going to want to use, you know, an interface like yourself to go, uh, okay, well, how do I put this in a, how do I put this in a structure that will help, you know, it's really that thing of, I've been, I've been dealing with this problem now, help me understand my audience's problem. So we can link what I've solved to the solution that that they need. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, I know your time is, is valuable. I just have one more question. I've been I've Probably. been kind of dying to ask you. Obviously, you're the number one expert in the world in body language, well deserved. On your path to where you are now, is there any like story? Can you think of an experience that resonates when you had like an aha moment when you were working with one of your clients or working with a team that changed the way you thought about 
delivery or body language or anything of that nature? Yeah, interesting. So, so my, my tools and techniques haven't, haven't changed since about the age of 19. <laughs> I first learned all the stuff that I'm that I give across to clients around about the age of 19. Now, I was, I was working with some of the best people in the world around these, these ideas of how movement changes behavior. And nothing has changed since then. I've developed more, but there, there were no moments of that. It's just like, I can really do this. I really like this. I'm going to work hard at this and develop this, and I'm going to become the best mm -hmm. uh, at this. So for me, I think the revelatory moments, uh, there was one, <laughs> there was one prime minister that I was working with. And, and this is more of a, a revelation about clients in general. Uh, you can imagine, you know, whoever you are, once you get to work at that level, it can cause a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, like, I've got a real responsibility. This is, this is a person with you know, arguably democratically the most power in any in 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 a in their democratic nation. Yeah. So, you know, they have they have top executive power. So it's quite, you know, there will be other business people in that democracy with a lot of power, but in the in the democratic pattern, like that is that's the head. So you kind of feel the stress and responsibility and 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 like, you know, they'll have problems that I just don't know how to deal with. So I sat down with this leader and we ordered food. And he said, I'll have a pizza and a can of Coke. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'll have a pizza and a can of Coke as well then. So I, I, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I can I can manage that. And we sat one on one together side by side eating pizza and a, and a can of Coke. And I said, I said, what's, so what's the real problems for you? Like, what's the biggest problems for you? And he just started talking about the same problems as everybody has, <laughs> just everybody. And I kind of went, okay, this is fine. It's just all it is as a human being. Mm. All we've got is a human being with a pizza and a can of Coke <laughs> who has, who finds it difficult, you know, all the complexity of, of, of influencing and persuading other human beings, uh, it's tricky. So, uh, so that was a that was a, a good a good moment. Still get anxious now, <laughs> you know, but maybe not as anxious. Yeah, that's that, thank you for sharing that story. That's who would have thought a pizza and a can of Coke, right? A can of Coke, but it's good. You know, they're classics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't go wrong. You can't, you can't go wrong if you like pizza and you like coke and i do like pizza and i do like coke uh it's a good it's good it's good lunch it's maybe not that healthy <laughs> but it is good all right mark thanks for joining us today uh, for those of you listening out there you have to pick up a copy of mark's latest book truth and lies what people are really thinking it's a great read. I've read it myself. And yeah, Mark is a great author. I wanted to ask you more about that. But hey, maybe next time. I'll um, come again anytime you like. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Mark, where can folks get a hold of you if they're interested in, in talking to you about your services or your consulting or anything like that? Yeah, really easy. Just Google me, uh, Mark Bowden, or go to truthplane, T-R-U-T-H-P-L-A-N-E, truthplane.com. You'll find me there. Okay, excellent. Once again, Mark, thanks for joining us today. And we really appreciate it. Hope to speak to you again soon. My pleasure. 
So there we have it, some words of wisdom from Mark Bowden. If you want to get in touch with Mark, his website is thetruthplane.com, and he mentioned a couple other ways you can get in touch with him over uh, throughout the interview. If you want to get in touch with me, it's ryan at professionalpresentationservices.com. Would love to hear from you. Would love to hear about uh, any recommendations or requests for future guests. And as usual, we wish you the best of luck in your future speaking endeavors.